Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride and the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful. Because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin, And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to It Could Happen Here, a podcast about the war against trans people. I'm your host, Christopher Wong. In February, a camp of indigenous and ecological protesters attempting to stop the Thacker Pass lithium mine in Nevada was thrown into chaos over an unexpected issue, transphobia. Two of the camp activists, including a man who had volunteered to act as an attorney for the group, were revealed to be members of another organization called Deep Green Resistance, or DGR. Nominally, Deep Green Resistance is an ecological organization dedicated to destroying industrial society to preserve the environment through promoting the destruction of dams and other infrastructure. Deep Green Resistance has found little success on this front, but they have been much more successful in spreading the other core of their ideology, militant, ruthless, and fanatical transphobia. When the indigenous protesters at Thacker Pass discovered the two's membership in DGR and their resultant transphobia, they were furious. Falk, the DGR lawyer who had offered to represent the protesters was kicked off the case, and the presence of the two DGR members was used by Lithium America as a weapon against the protesters. This is a familiar cycle for Deep Green Resistance. Soon after its founding in 2011, the group fully embraced radical feminism, staking out a position in an old debate inside the feminist movement raging since the 1970s over whether trans women are in fact women. These feminists, I use the term loosely here, became known as trans-exclusionary radical feminists, or TERFs. Their heroes were people like Janice Raymond, author of the vehemently transphobic screed The Transsexual Empire. Raymond, whose Bayeful influence we will return to next episode, was largely ran out of the mainstream American feminist movement with the rest of her TERF companions. A similar fate would befall Deep Green Resistance. 
ecological activists in groups like Earth First, Greenpeace, the IWW, and the broader green anarchist movement, cis and trans alike, ran DGR out of the ecological left for their transphobia, and waged an incredibly successful no-platforming campaign against DGR's founders, Derek Jensen and Leary Keith. Driven from the left so thoroughly they were reduced to slinking into protest camps in secret only to be expelled upon discovery, members of Deep Green Resistance moved right, and increasingly to other countries, to seek an audience for the transphobic bile. Leary Keith founded a turf organization called the Women's Liberation Front, or WOLF. More on them later. This brings us to turf extraordinaire Jennifer Billick. Billick had been a member of Deep Green Resistance in charge of booking appearances for Derek Jensen. The success of the no-platforming campaign waged by the left convinced her that trans people were secretly backed by a conspiracy of billionaires. This idea spread like wildfire across the UK and, as we'll discuss next episode, Mexico. To understand what happened in the UK, we spoke with Krista Peterson, a graduate student at USC who, at significant personal cost, confronted the rise and spread of transphobia in the English-speaking world. Krista, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us. Hi, thank you. I guess I wanted to start with Jennifer Billick and talking a bit about how 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 she sort of moved into increasingly increasingly transphobic territory and I guess how she started moving into the sort of follow the money conspiracy theories that she's been peddling for the past several years now. Yeah, so I give you her narrative of this, um, which is that in 2013, I think she was supposed to be on a panel um, about, I think, trans people um, that was uh, canceled because of pushback. Um, and then because of that, she thought, what is the big force behind this? And then got into it from there. Um, but she has really, I think you know that Deep Green Resistance was kind of into um, focusing on trans people yep. for a while, um, but she really has gone from an environmental activist to someone who is just solely focused on trans people. It's basically all she is ever talking about. Um, and she's kind of, she started as opposing this kind of existential threat um, that was real, which was ecological destruction of climate yep. change. <laughs> um, and she has kind of maintained that tenor in the shift where now she's um, portraying this as an existential threat, but instead of climate change, it's trans people. Yeah. So the way she got into the money, um, she's just a very prolific kind of at-home researcher. Um, and she kind of had this anti-corporate mindset going in from her background. And she, she produces a lot of research. Um, there's not that many people in the gender critical movement who are really producing a lot of original content. And so when someone is, there's really, they can get a lot of uptake from that. Um, her, main, her first thing was actually a Federalist article um, about who are the rich white men institutionalizing transgender ideology. Um, and just by being a pretty big platform, I think that got some big initial distribution. I think that was how people initially started seeing her kind of beyond the deep green resistance type audience. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's one of the things that, that's been very interesting to me studying this is that you, you see this a lot. You, you see a lot of people who were sort of run out of the left by their transphobia, like pivoting really hard right and then using right-wing media platforms and using 
sort of also right-wing political backing to start pushing this stuff. And I think, yeah, Bill, Bill looks an interesting example to me because, yeah, she, I guess you talk a bit about this more. I mean, she, she has this weird, okay, so she, she, she has two weird angles. She has the weird transhumanism angle, <laughs> and then she has this, incredibly like it becomes like an increasingly anti-semitic angle yeah so where she so she's following the money is the original thing where she follows the money to is um trans rights are a conspiracy to usher in transhumanism um so her thing is she often says transgender is an ad campaign for transhumanism um, this is a quote to get people comfortable with actual merging with machines slash AI, there must be a complete dissociation from biological reality. Uh, so is this, you see this a lot with conspiracy theories, I think, where you have this kind of like metaphorical goal, right? Where it's all about getting people to dissociate from their bodies. It's like not very clear what that looks like on an actual causal level. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's the big goal, right? Um, and they, they need a big goal. It's, there's kind of this mysterious part of this like, supposed conspiracy um, that is trans rights, which is like, what is this for? <laughs> right? They, lots of people now are accepting that there is like this big dark money push behind it, um, which raises the question, why? why? <laughs> what, what is this doing? Yeah. <laughs> um, and the answers are kind of kooky, right? And so <laughs> this one has caught on more than I would have expected. Yeah, it's really weird. <laughs> it's so weird. Like. <laughs> they kind of walk into it slowly, right? They kind of start off and it's, they think there's something weird with trans rights. Um, and they have, it's very common for them to think that their opponents don't really believe their beliefs, um, that something is up. And <laughs> for some reason, all these people are supporting trans rights when they know it's bad. <laughs> then you need a, you need something to go in there to explain why, and this is a narrative that fits with Billick's worldview. You know, you can see how someone with her background would get here. It's kind of unusual for all these ladies from the UK now to believe that trans people are a transhuman conspiracy, but <laughs> they needed something to go there as the goal, so they picked it up. Yeah, I guess I guess we should get into. Mumsnet a little bit because Mumsnet's a really weird, like specifically UK thing that I don't know if there's like there's not really an American equivalent to it. Like I guess it's like it's like it's it's like what if you took the worst parts of Facebook and Nextdoor? I guess yeah. Can you talk a little bit about like what Mumsnet is and how this stuff started started seeping into it? Yeah, so this is part of this bigger question, which is like, why in the UK has this yeah. taken off so much in the way it has? Uh, a, a big part of that story is Mumsnet, uh, which is a website for moms um, to ask kind of parenting questions. Um, and it's really widely used, I think, especially among this kind of like white, upper middle class, educated population. Uh, a lot of people are on Mumsnet. And it's kind of a trusted website for a lot of familial type things, like advice about what to do when your kid has lice, things like that. Um, and Mumsnet has become just like the main infection point, I think, in the gender critical movement in the UK. With why it happened more generally, 
think you have to look at it as kind of part of this global resurgence in fascism around the same time period. It's like the mid-2010s on. Um, you know, like the most obvious instances of that have the kind of traditional fascist targets and ideals. Um, but I think what's essential is this kind of logic that you really see in the gender critical movement also, um, which is you have this kind of background climate of anxiety and fear. Then you get this narrative that's minorities are rising up against you. You've lost something. Your identity used to give you a special status, and now they're taking it from you, and you have to fight back. Um, and it's kind of, they've kind of switched out like what the big identity is, who the minorities are, what the special status is, um, with this more feminist thing. Um, but it really does have that kind of internal logic in the same way. Um, and I think you just had this kind of moment globally where you had this kind of background emotional state that was ripe for fascism in a lot of ways. And then this ideology was just infectious in that way. And then in Mom's Night, it was able to catch. Um, and it really provided, provided it with this place where it could really grow um, into this kind of unusual demographic group for a kind of fascist movement. Yeah. I mean, I, th I think there's, there's, there's an interesting, I think there's another, the other interesting thing to me about it is like, I don't know. I've, I've been thinking about this a lot in terms of, yeah, wh why specifically the UK and why the US doesn't have this. And I mean, I mean, I, you know, I, mean, I, I guess one, one explanation for it partly is like the US is so much more religious than the UK is. And a lot of these people sort of would have been evangelicals in like in the US. But, but yeah, I think the, the, the Mumsnet angles interesting to me in that it really seems like because there's so few people publishing anything that's even remotely tangible like a very very small number of actors were able to very quickly radicalize people and i and i think i don't know and, and, and i think it's interesting that like like people like jesse singal like i think wind up being much more influential in the uk than they are in the u.s even though they're getting sort of published in, in in these u.s publications because there's sort of i don't know i guess there's there's this like hunger for it on mom's night like for for anything that sort of supports this worldview in a way that there's kind of wasn't in the u.s i think part of why like the why uk question there's some part of it that's just kind of by chance mom's night existed and was a place where it could really take off um, but i think also to some extent, like you were alluded to, I think kind of part of the relevant group in the U.S. is I think a little more inoculated against this stuff. I mean, that it doesn't really have the same initial appeal among women who would like to construe themselves as feminists um, because many, many Americans see anti-trans stuff and immediately um, connect it to like the religious right. Um, yeah. So it doesn't, it, you don't really get the initial way into it where you know you come across this thing presenting trans people as you know, encroaching on your space and taking something from you and for us we see that and it's like oh yeah bathroom bill laws they just had this a few years ago and it was this right-wing religious thing like, we know what this is the uk has kind of had a more prominent turf activism for a little while and that julie bindle it's kind of yeah long been a thing there um, but it wasn't really catching in the same way it has now really caught 
Yeah, I guess, I mean, one of the other things that I was talking, I had an interesting conversation that sadly didn't wind up getting recorded, but I was talking with (laughs) some Mexican feminists, uh, like trans feminists about this. And one of the things they were saying was the way, like talking about the way like intersectionality is a framework and the the fact that there is is an incredibly strong black feminist current in the US insulated like the the main line of, of American feminism from this stuff in a way that didn't really happen in the UK because the like the, the black feminist movement there is just not as strong and not as sort of mainstream. And that has this knock on effect, I guess, where like you get, you know, without an intersectionality framework, it's, it's easier to have this sort of like totalizing like identity of like the woman as like a, a, a thing that's just one object that you can like pin down to biological markers instead of having to sort of like look at all of the different actual like relations that are going on. Yeah. So my read on them is that most of them are not really, we're not pre-existing feminists. Um, they were not people who are very interested in women's rights and then kind of took this turn. Um, my impression is that they're largely people who really started identifying as feminists once they, that could be a guise to kind of take hmm. things out on trans people. Um, and I think I'll probably why, it was able to get so big on Mumsnet. So eventually the women's rights forum on Mumsnet, which is just one of the subboards, in addition to all the childcare stuff, um, just became almost all anti-trans stuff. Right. And so that is partially that this stuff was popular. Um, but I also I think that, you know, normal mainstream feminist stuff wasn't as popular and they weren't getting a lot of engagement on normal, important <laughs> feminist issues. Um, and instead this was what their user base was really going for. It's really striking, I think, how there's exceptions, um, but in general, the big gender critical people talk very, very little about all yeah. feminist issues. It's like, yeah. this is the thing <laughs> they care about just all the time. Yeah, that, and I, yeah, that, that's definitely a pattern with turfs. Where it's like, yeah, once 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 you're a turf, like this is the only thing you care about. Like you don't you don't do. Yeah, I mean, I guess like one of one of the we'll talk more about this in the next episode. But one of the sort of big like flagship things in in like with the UK and Ireland was like a bunch of the turfs getting extremely mad at. <laughs> the at at these and at the at the pro like at the 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 pro-abortion uh activists in uh uh in ireland because they weren't being turfs and so (laughs) yeah the the turfs were like no 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 we're gonna like try to sabotage this act the actual feminist movement trying to get access to abortions because we're turfs and they're not yeah they could be really vindictive against women who they say are like selling out women's rights by focusing on anything other than the tiny percent of the population that is trans is like the one issue you're allowed to focus on. And if you say like, no, please, please leave us alone. We're focusing on something else. Yeah. <laughs> really do not take that well. Happy pride from Tomboy X celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. 
If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, huh? oh! run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I guess the other thing I wanted to ask about was, because I think the other thing that happened in the UK that only really started happening in the US, like, pretty recently, and even then was kind of like, it, 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 it was an event in, like, a way that I don't know how much it was in the UK, is... The the extent to which, like people like J.K. Rowling and like the the sort the sort of mainstream of British famous people, and and like British British journalists and stuff like that, like like start started rallying around this stuff. Yeah, this is. It's been wild for me seeing. I like don't think super highly of the American media, but seeing how much worse the British media is has yeah. been really wild. I, they just have been publishing stuff. Things like the Times of London have been are the worst, right? More conservative outlets are especially bad. Um, but even, you know, like The Guardian has in some, BBC has in some. Uh, but these things are just kind of like demonstrably false coverage of trans rights stuff that just gives a lot of credence to this transphobic movement. Um, it's kind of this like near blackout of you know, serious consideration of what trans people are experiencing um, and what their actual position on this stuff is. It's just really grim, I think. 
I think yeah. part of it is maybe that Mom's Net did have this reach to a lot of people who are like professionals. Their audience is pretty professional and it was this kind of trusted website where this got normalized a lot. The last thing I wanted to talk about before um, we go to break is, do you want to talk about Kathleen Stock and that whole thing a little bit? Yes. Okay. Also, we should talk about, uh, we should connect Billick to Mumsnet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We should, um, yeah, we should do that first. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so that is, there was, you know, Mumsnet started, um, I think the initial narrative was kind of trans people are being really unreasonable. They're really demanding. They're infringing on our status. Um, and this is the thing that was more localized about this group that it was easy to cast as unreasonable. Um, and they were able to take kind of a victim stance relative to them. And then the, 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 it just kind of kept escalating, right? It just kind of like shifted to more and more of this kind of content. And then eventually there, you know, there really was a great appetite for this kind of anti-trans content. And it just got increasingly conspiratorial, I think. Uh, so people at this point, I think almost everyone in the gender critical movement thinks that there's dark money behind trans rights. They think it's like some kind of astroturf movement for who knows what. Lots of them will say the goal is like selling, you know, hormones and surgery to people. Um, yeah. which not, what? <laughs> like, yeah. You know, it's just, like, uh, yeah. It's uh, for funding, you know, a global conspiracy is like pretty expensive. And it's like, the most plausible way to yeah. get an audience for this kind of thing. Um, but Jennifer Billick is one of relatively few people again, doing this kind of deep research. Um, and so it's just kind of the kind of thing they were looking for. And they have pretty minimal bullshit filters about what they're willing to see. Um, it, it's just pretty rare that they will see a source that seems to be on their side and be like, no, there's something wrong with this. Um, and so she increasingly got fans. And now a lot of people hear her stuff secondhand, I think. They're not directly yeah. reading her, but people are repeating her. And so much of her stuff now is part of the just the background of this movement. Like There's this woman, Martine Rothblatt, um, who was a just kind of like random rich woman um, who was, she was involved in kind of early trans rights activism um, and kind of moved on and got interested in transhumanism stuff instead. She's like kind of a strange lady. Um, and she is interested in transhumanism stuff and rich um, and is not the architect of the trans rights movement. Yeah. Um, but now, you know, they just all think that this person has this central role. Um, and when you see them talking about her, it is Jennifer Billick's influence. Um, and they just don't have, they just don't have any defenses against kind of increasingly radicalized stuff. And when I started kind of looking into Jennifer and I started seeing her get, I mean, you know, when you see people talking about a conspiracy of people like George Soros, Jennifer Pritzker, both yep. Jewish. Um, Rothblatt is also Jewish. <laughs> yeah, <they're, laughs> 
there's a red flag. And in conspiracy spaces, they just kind of tends towards anti-Semitism if you're yeah. not on the lookout yeah. for it and if you're not defending against it. And Billick's not. And she has gotten increasingly into anti-Semitic side of things um, up to the point where she was boosting Heath Woods, who is just a Nazi, um, his content that was largely inspired by her work um, about the Jews behind the transgender movement um, and just taking, kind of going from this kind of non-explicit anti-Semitic conspiracy theory where you have this group of people who happen to be largely filled with Jewish people kind of orchestrating this global conspiracy to explicitly naming the Jew and saying, no, this is a Jewish movement. Um, and yeah, and she just like followed it all the way. Um, and there was some, when I started making a big deal about this, you know, there was some pushback from the gender critical movement. Um, but largely, I, they think I'm like a bad faith actor, right? I'm the enemy. And so <laughs> they're not going to take anything I say really seriously. Um, but also, I was really struck by how some of them were arguing with me about this Keith Woods video that was, you know, about how this was just a Jewish plot and why the Jewish religion would inspire you to do something like this. Um, they're saying, no, this isn't anti-Semitic. There's nothing, you, you know, it's just, it's very interesting. It's about Judaism uh, because they already believed all the background stuff, right? They thought that there was, in fact, this conspiracy that's populated by people who happen to be Jewish. And so then when you take the explicit step, it's, they're like, well, yeah, there's an interesting question, right? Why are all these people Jewish? Yep. And they just go in all yep. the way. Right? Gets Nazi kind of, real fast. Yep. <laughs> and yeah, just in general, the movement is like, just really not have good defenses against this kind of stuff at all. And yeah, this kind of conspiratorial stuff will take you there if you yep. don't have defenses against it. It's just a, a very old road that goes in exactly that direction and is ready for you if you start getting into this stuff and aren't watching out for it. Yeah, all right. So let, let's, 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 let's talk about Kathleen Stock, philosophy's horror child. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I mean, not just Kathleen, but you have... One of the things that is noteworthy about the movement, I think, is you have these, uh, this unusual prominence of academics, mm-hmm. one of them being Kathleen Stock, maybe the most prominent now being Kathleen Stock, um, but also like Rosa Freeman and Selena Todd. Yeah. Um, and you have this kind of academic face of it. And it's very interesting, I think, how that works. Um, and that these people are in generally not doing kind of substantive research on anything related to this. Um, instead, what I see is, you know, stuff starts out in the community. Um, it's like on Mumsnet, it's on Twitter. And then the Kathleen Stock picks it up, right? She is getting her stuff kind of from Mumsnet and stuff. And then she's legitimizing it, right? It's like, oh, this is what these fancy professors think. And then... Centrally, their role is claiming that there are all these serious issues, you know, on the basis of their academic status um, and saying that trans people aren't willing to discuss it. You know, trans people are shutting down debate. They're being silenced. Um, It gives it this legitimacy that the 
movement, I think, really capitalizes on. Yeah, which I think with stock in particular, so, you know, the, the, they're by, part part of what's happening is like the, the the anti-trans movement kind of like moves between different conservative panics, and so like like the modern one, they're on the save the children panic. But when stock was sort of like getting big, and you can see this with the, the sort of the, the end of her career arc, uh, which we'll get to in a second. But she was big on the whole sort of like like conservative uh, callous cancel like college free speech crisis like can i guess t- sort of cancel culture also but yeah the, she, she was really big on the on the whole like yeah the conservatives are being silenced or like not even conservatives like I, I think she was kind of doing the like liberal centrist thing but but she was yeah she's she was doing all these censorship claims and then turning around and just actually censoring people and it was yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> i gave a talk um, at Sussex, um, Kelly Sussex University, uh, that I, I believe she tried to have canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, <which> is, <laughs> come on. Uh, it was just kind of interesting, right? Because I, initially this talk was um, kind of scheduled as a protest at the same time as one of her, as a talk she was going to give on a related topic. Um, and then she canceled her talk. So I thought she might come to mine, right? <laughs> like, free debate, like, ask me questions. And I was like, okay. Uh, but of course she didn't, right? Because instead, seemingly tried to just get it shut down. <laughs> and, yeah. But the, I think this is, yeah, it's one kind of, the cancel culture thing is kind of one element. Uh, but I think it's really central in a lot of their stuff. Um, in that the, the, kind of in the background of all their stuff is like, you know, somehow the consensus has been controlled and like, it's the result of like the truth not being heard and people not considering all these important things that they need to consider kind of from care for trans youth to, you know, trans women being able to use the bathroom it's kind of across all this, they're running this narrative that the truth has been silenced and, you know, trans people have, are being unreasonable and have shut it down. I think that is a pretty foundational, the, the, yeah. The overall narrative they've built. Yeah, and and it and you, you see this as like this is one of the ways they try to I guess wrest the mantle of authority back from literally every actual medical <laughs> group who <laughs> all agree that you should actually let kids transition and you should let adults transition and that this is in fact good and like a, a thing that medically is is like I mean like I said Yeah, I mean this uh, is yeah. this is a huge deal, right? So like Kathleen Sock is a philosopher, right? And so she started off her first thing was like something is afoot in academic philosophy. You know, academic philosophers aren't debating whether trans women are women in the way that they should. Um, and this idea that the debate's being silenced in philosophy, you know, it like doesn't have really important consequences. I think the idea that like all mainstream research on trans healthcare and like what is in the good, the best interests of trans kids being able to delegitimize that is really serious. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That just has these tremendous consequences. And I think they've been able to be pretty effective on that too. Yeah. And and that's been really scary in a lot of ways because you, you see, like the the arguments that these people pioneered and the sort of 
the techniques and the, 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 the groups that they're a part of, like, wind up being core parts of, of the anti-trans push in both the UK and the US. And, yeah, that's extremely scary. It's really scary. I mean, it's just... It's just awful, right? These are these are children, and for them to become the focus of this kind of hate movement is just horrifying. It's just awful. And the you know the history of healthcare for gender nonconforming kids is really grim. Yeah, and it's and like they are just pushing to kind of go back there, and it's just ghastly. It's really horrifying to see yeah I, I guess I think that's a that's a good point we can I, okay I, this is this would probably be the second ad break but yeah uh, do you know what else is horrifying ads happy pride from tomboy X celebrating pride in the queer community all year Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection. Obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes 3 extra small through 6X. Visit TomboyX.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From LinkedIn News, I'm Leah Smart, host of Everyday Better, an award-winning weekly podcast dedicated to personal development. Whether you're looking for ways to shift your mindset or seeking more fulfillment in your life, we've got you covered. You can build internal resources. That's what the study of psychology is about, building internal resources. Turning towards is one of the most important elements of successful relationships, no matter what kind of relationship it is. The thing that underpins all of this productivity stuff is finding a way to make the journey itself enjoyable. The journey is the destination. The beauty of uncertainty is infinite possibility. When you don't know what's next, you don't know what's next. And thus, anything can be next. 
Join me as we dive into captivating stories and research-backed ideas that have empowered me and others to lead lives with more clarity and intention. Everyday Better, making growth an everyday practice. Listen to Everyday Better on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Um, what, one, one of the scariest parts, I think, of, of what was happening in the UK was the extent to which... I mean, not just mainstream uh, British media gets involved in this, but I mean, literally the BBC, which is which is the you know this this is this is the state media organization, right? Starts to just push unbelievably transphobic articles out as just regular content. Um, I think I think the, probably the most famous one is yeah, in in October of twenty twenty one, the BBC publishes this article that's called we're being pressured into sex by some trans women that is just in just just an absolutely appalling uh uh display of of transphobia um yeah can you talk a little bit about that and yeah yeah so the this article was framed around the question is a lesbian transphobic if she does not want to have sex with trans women? Some lesbians say they are increasingly being pressured and coerced into accepting trans women as partners. Um, and so the the overarching perspective in the piece that you get is that this is a significant problem among lesbians. They are experiencing sexual pressure from trans women. Um, the kind of reporting strategy that the reporter used was, you know, just soliciting this one kind of particular narrative from lesbians who said that they had had these kind of experiences with trans women. Um, the people who are quoted in the article who aren't anonymous are gender critical people. Right there, like Rose of Dawn, Debbie Hayden. And then there's these anonymous women who we don't know who they are. Um, but it's not, they didn't go and approach, you know, normal like mainstream lesbian activists or lesbian organizations to see like what they were experiencing in the community, right? There's kind of no perspective just from any kind of mainstream lesbian organizations at all. That was was one of the things that like sort of was was haunting about this. Like this journalist is working on this for eight, like I think it was like years she spent trying to find this. And like, like she was specifically trying to find this people, these people, like people who like had experienced a specific thing and like, no normal like she couldn't find normal people because it's not a thing and so she she it after like many many years she was able to find like a couple of examples like a few examples and mostly from yeah just open transphobes and the article is just like so conceptually sloppy that it doesn't distinguish you know theoretical discourse about whether you know it's transphobic to just say out of hand you would never date a trans woman it doesn't distinguish this from like, sexual abuse. Yeah. Right? It just kind of takes for granted that they're just saying in kind of an abstract theoretical context um, that some of these, like, just saying that you won't ever sleep with a trans woman, saying that that is transphobic, is ex- itself treated as akin to pressuring someone into sex, right? <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> journalism that doesn't distinguish between just a conversation about sexual issues and sexual abuse is just disastrous. There's just nothing serious about this piece. And it's just kind of 
throughout it. It's just <laughs> yeah, like, like one of the other things uh, about this is that, so they 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 found like a survey, right? Because the the, the the journalist went looking for a survey about like. How, like what percentage of lesbians have like encountered this and encountered this pressure. And the only thing they could find was, well, okay. The only thing they could find that would like support their actual claim was this, this poll from this group called uh, get out the L, which is just like a group that whose entire purpose is just being anti-trans people and trying to get rid of them. Yeah. And it was just like, it was just like, it was like, it was like a Twitter poll, right? It was, it was like, they're, they're, they're publishing as, as statistical evidence for their claim, a Twitter poll from a, from a turf group and trying to like claim this is serious journalism. And it's just. Yeah. I mean, so literally on the page of the statistic they cite in this report, um, the report approvingly cites Janice Raymond saying, but all transsexuals rape women's bodies by reducing the real female form to an artifact. And so, like, are we talking about metaphors here or are we talking about sexual abuse? Yeah. <laughs> it's, just like, it's just sick, right? And so one of the people who was interviewed in this um, was Lily Cade, yeah. um, who was an adult performer. Um, and again, throughout this, just... A trans woman saying that the way someone is treating her in a sexual context is transphobic is itself treated as sexually abusive. Um, and so Lily Cade, you know, she refused to, I think initially she refused to um, be in a scene um, with a trans woman, but then later on also refused to um, shoot a trans woman at all um, when she was working as a producer. Um, so they kind of get a quote from Lily, you know, saying something about women being pressured into sex by trans women. And it turns out that Lily Cade was pushed out of the adult industry because she's like a serial rapist. Right. So this is their source on whether this is a problem for a cis woman is herself a cis woman who is a serial rapist. Right. And they're using this person to portray trans women as the victimizers. And it's just so grim. Yeah. There's so much of it. It's just sort of like haunting. Like one of the other things that came out was like part of the story is that they said that like no prominent trans women would speak with them for the story. And then a prominent trans woman was like, no, you guys interviewed me and then didn't include it in the article. Yeah. So this was um, yeah. one of the people who Lily Kate had had a, conflict with was Chelsea Poe, um, another woman in porn who had asked if Lily, um, if she could work for Lily's company, and Lily said no, because she was trans. So they talked. Chelsea was, like, is a reasonably prominent person, um, and they interviewed her, didn't include her in the article. She says that she told them that Lily had this predatory past, they also didn't say anything about that. And so we have a situation where we have this person who is a cis woman who the author has been told is a serial sexual predator being presented as kind of an authority on women's sexual victimization, supposedly by trans women, when she is the victimizer. Yeah. <laughs> and not only is she a serial sexual predator, uh, but she's like specifically attacked people in bathrooms. 
Yeah. Right? Which is like the yes, famous fear mongering, transphobic thing, right? Is that trans people are going to attack you in the bathroom. <laughs> Your source has attacked people in bathrooms. And there's just very little interest in like how women are actually victimized and by who. Yeah, and, and I think like that that to me is the disturbing part here. It's like this isn't just like a negligence of reporting thing here. This is just malice. Like if 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 you are told and the thing is like it, it's not it's not like it was hard to like find out that that you know if okay so someone someone tells you that someone else is 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 a, an abuser right it's like okay like maybe you're a journalist maybe you're gonna be like oh I should check this out like Lily Cage assaulted so many people and like raped so many people that like just scrolling through Twitter I found multiple people who had been abused by her. Like yes. this was this was not something that was like like she she admitted it publicly. This is not something that was like hard to find, right? Yeah, and, so, and yes. The to be clear, she yeah. I just want to underline that, which is that Lily Kay did after these accusations really got going, she did like publicly admit she did not deny yeah. the accusations and then she retired from porn. Yeah, and 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 you know, and this is something like the, the BBC does this they they do this weird backtracking after this article comes out and everyone gets extremely mad at them. But they 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 refused to release the like the tape of the interview they had did with Chelsea Poe, which you know would have proved that Chelsea Poe did in fact tell them that Lily Cade was a rapist, and they published the story anyways. And there's there's so much of this stuff where it's like yeah, like the, the they the, the the way they backtrack about it, the way that also like so the two places where this thing where this story ran was uh, the BBC in Britain, and they syndicated it out to Brazil, and oh, a few other places that were like. That are incredibly transphobic, and it ran that like just really yeah. Disturbing. And this stuff, this stuff like right in Brazil, like ran as a bunch of mainstream news headlines, like where like news stories in the major newspapers like ran this, and, and, and it was I don't know like there, there's 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 this extent to which yeah like you're watching British state media decide that they actively just want to go to war on trans people, and they literally just do not care that like they are you know, publishing little rapists. And then... Yeah, I just... just The BBC's policy, you know, is when we interview those responsible for antisocial behavior or crime, it may just cause distress to victims, and we should contact victims and advise them of our plans. You know, when viewing criminals, care must be taken to minimize potential distress this may cause to victims of the crime. And... You know, this, they, they didn't see Lily as this applying to her, Right. This is a cis woman who they have been told is a sexual predator. You can find this information. I found it pretty quickly. All of these victims talking about it, her acknowledging it, and they didn't identify this cis woman as a predator with victims who would be like very plausibly upset by seeing their rapist treated as an authority on yeah. sexual abuse, right? And this yeah. is kind of pervasive, I think, in the gender critical movement, right? Where it, if any of you are out there, I'm sure you're thinking women can't be rapists. Rape requires a penis, which is in the UK. It's kind of a, you know, most feminists consider this a pretty reactionary way to define rape, uh, where it has to be um, penetration with a penis. And I think this isn't reflective of, you know, how women experience sexual assault, that it's just kind of totally other category. Um, and most countries, <laughs> feminists, I think, consider it quite important 
that you don't kind of treat this as this like categorically different offense. Um, but the gender critical movement really pushes this perspective where it is literally impossible for women to, to commit rape. You know, and this is, they think that when they, there's a brief period where they thought that they had um, identified like that every rape that was recorded as committed by a woman was a trans woman um, because they thought that it required a penis and they thought that that was like the only way that this was possible. And so you can actually be convicted of it if you were like aiding and abetting. I think they thought that they had all of these. And they just have this overall perspective where it is literally impossible for, you know, this a, a woman meaning for them as this woman to commit a sexual offense. And in doing this, they create cover for cis women predators like Lily yeah. it it creates this context where they, their victimization just disappears and people can't even acknowledge it yep it's awful and yeah and like i think like the the extent to which this whole movement is 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 built on violence and it is built. I mean, and th- there are so many people that the that the gender critical people work with who are abusers. There are, you know, and, and I want like I want to come back to like the last piece of the Lily Cade thing, which is that after this article came out, the BBC initially basically didn't do anything, right? Even after the the rape out, the, the, the yes, yeah, and then Lily Cade published f- one of like one of the most transphobic things I've ever encountered in my life, like a, a, a just this, I, I, it, it, it gets called a manifesto. Like I don't it think that's like a, a manifesto. It was terrifying. Yeah. Like <laughs> she, she's, she, she's explicitly like, like, like name specific trans women that she wants lynched. Like there's a bunch of stuff about there's people she wants raped. Uh, she wants like, she wants all trans people to die. Uh, there's a, there's a bunch of, there's like weirdly racist stuff. There's like, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, 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 it, it, it is a document that calls for genocide. And the part where it's calling for genocide probably isn't like line for line, the most disturbing part of it because the individual threats are like so graphic. And no, I, I was terrified when I read this. I, I was the person who, you know, initially dug up the sexual abuse allegations. And when I did it, I knew it would kind of, it would throw a wrench into her life, I thought. And that they hadn't, you know, they were there, they were visible, you could find them. But when it had happened, she had not really been a, in the mainstream eye. And so I knew if this got uptake, it would make it bigger. And what ahead and I did it. And then, you know, this woman is posting this terrifying manifesto. It read like, it was like, is she shooting someone now? It was just so, it was just terrifying. It was like something to be written, you know, immediately before someone goes and shoots someone. It was just all, and then she's tweeting it and tagging the BBC in it. Yeah, and like that, that finally, like, one of the most disturbing things I've ever read in my life. Like that was finally the thing with BBC was like, uh, maybe we should do something about this. It was just so, so little, right? Like, this is, they took her out of the article. <laughs> um, they added an update. that says we have updated this article published last week to remove a contribution from one individual in light of comments. She's published on a blog post in recent days, which we have been able to verify. 
We acknowledge that an admission of inappropriate behavior by the same contributor should have been included in the original article. And so this is, you know, they just kind of erased her, right? So they didn't acknowledge that they had included this person in the article who just published this genocidal rant, yeah. right? So one of their sources is the person who is advocating for killing trans people. That is important, right? That is pertinent to this yeah. narrative they're pushing. And they also are not saying, you know, they should have, we acknowledge that an admission of inappropriate behavior should have been included in the original article. It really changes the overall narrative of the article, right? If you acknowledge this cis woman is a serial predator, yeah. right? The, the overall picture is like, cis women are at risk from trans women. And it's a reality check, right? To hear, you no, know, in fact, <laughs> this woman who we're presenting as like victimized is one of the women who's preying on people and she's not a trans woman. <laughs> and it's just, they just, you know, even after this responded in a way that protected the narrative of the piece, yeah. right? They, were, they weren't going to let in anything that acknowledged this, the people they're finding with this position are transphobic. <laughs> this person was very, and it just says, they've removed the contribution in light of comments she has published. What kind yeah. of comments? What are they about? And it's serious, right? It's serious to not acknowledge that one of their sources is a violent transphobe. <laughs> yeah. It, this is how I found out that she was alive, also. The, them saying that they had been able to verify it. Before that, I had been like, she's not very online in a lot of cases. Um, so I was really where I didn't know how long it was going to be before you know, there was confirmation that, like, in fact, Lily Kate had not just shot someone and herself. Yeah. And it, this was, it was just really... This manifesto was terrifying. I don't know. It's just awful. Yeah, and I think... You know, one one of the things that that's happening here is you you get to see that there's a couple of like there's a couple there's like layers at which this stuff operates. So you have you know you have your BBC running delegitimization right, but then you have the stuff beneath it which is just apparently genocidal. And I think you know, in some sense, with like with like Lily Cade, like if if you're going to be a turf, Lily Cade kind of blew it right because like you can't <laughs> like. Okay, like the, you, the, you can be really, really transphobic in a lot of, in a lot of ways. But like, you know, actively calling people to get lynched is a thing that like even like transphobes are are normally like. Wait, what? Why are you? Yeah, and, they didn't and, like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and but I, but I, I don't think like the, the the mainstream turf movement is not in a place where you can do stuff like that. But in some ways, I think. You know, the, the, the stuff that's more moderate is more dangerous. The last thing I want to talk about is a, a document called the Declaration of, on Women's Sex-Based Rights, which was was put together by a, a bunch of turf activists, uh, fairly prominently featuring uh, uh, arch-Australian turf Sheila Jeffries. But yeah, can you, can you talk a bit about like what this is and... <laughs> Yeah, so this is a document that basically all of 
the gender critical organizations and mentioned people have signed. Um, and it is extreme, right? It calls for trans women to be banned from all women's spaces, um, including toilets, which, you know, if, if women can't go to the bathroom, they can't participate in society, right? It's just like a basic need people to have to exist in public. Um, and that it bans all, it has to ban all internationally recommended healthcare for trans children. Yeah. Um, it has to legally protect deliberate misgendering, um, which would, you know, allow you to be just treated with like, such hostility, like at work, just in public. This is a just kind of a direct assault on trans people's ability to exist with dignity in society and just live normal lives. And you know, a lot of gender critical people will say, will portray themselves, you know, as only opposing advances for trans rights, you know, as not wanting trans rights to be rolled back. Um, but what this document calls for is like basically every right trans people have to exist in their genders, in particular trans women, and especially targets trans women, um, to just take it all back right, and leave them with basically nothing yeah yeah like this is like they, they have this whole thing about like basically like they want to erase the concept of gender identity from yes law which is like the thing that does is it eliminates all trans people from I, I, like it eliminates trans people as a thing that the law recognizes exists and thinks should have protections it's like it's it's it it, 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 it is you know <laughs> Like it, it, it is, it is the legal genocide of trans people. Like that, that's, yeah, it, that's, that's what it is. It's yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so they've basically all signed this, yeah. you know, it is a, yeah, it, it's, this is not at all a fringe document. It positions itself as like, you know, the demands kind of, of this movement and it's extreme. Um, the organization's spokeswoman is Kara Dansky. Um, who uses almost all of her public appearances. She has a number of times been on Tucker Carlson. Um, and she boosts Jennifer Billick all the time. She, I think, is her biggest supporter um, and was formerly the chair of Wolf, um, which is Lear Keith's organization. Um, yeah, so she the, is... The Women's Liberation <laughs> Front is what yes. Wolf stands for. It is a cool name for an org that sucks and they should give it back <laughs> to someone better. Yeah, so this is... I mean, in general, you see the American turfs kind of in this more radical direction. Um, also, especially explicitly collaborating with the right. Um, and... Here, they've made this document that just purports to, and everyone has signed it, kind of like direct the overall agenda to one that just leaves trans people with just no protections at all. Yeah, and I think I think it's you know the the, the reason I think this is in a lot of ways like more dangerous than a Lily Cade thing is again it's it's in this like it's not actually in legalese because none of these people are lawyers. And Karadansky so, is. Oh, lawyer. Oh, so wait, so they, how, how did an actual lawyer, I mean, okay, I shouldn't be asking how did an actual lawyer produce this because I've met lawyers and they're, they're not, they, they are not as smart and above board as, as they portray themselves to be. But yeah, like it, it, this stuff isn't making legal arguments. Like one, one of the things that they, they've like 
I guess the whole sort of gender critical like turf movement is invented is like this this concept of sex based rights, which is just not a thing. Like, no. <laughs> yeah, like it's like, like they, they they all think that there's like rights that you have because of your sex, and like no, this doesn't exist. They completely made this up. They keep on like referring to it as if it's like a concept that exists in the law. And, like it, it, none of this stuff, like in in terms of legalese, it's like. It's nothing. It's 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 a jumble of words. Yeah, no. You really but, see as the movements go, they really have really robust movement discipline and kind of taking up these new terms and then saying them all the time as though it's a thing everyone's familiar with. One of them is always like women's sex-based rights. Women's sex-based rights. Like what? People's rights aren't based on their sex. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it doesn't what? exist. Yeah. <laughs> this is kind of like a whole thing we were doing with feminism. You know, it was like. You don't have special rights based on being a man. And now it turns out that, like, supposedly all along we've thought that you have special rights for, like, if you're a woman, to exclude whoever you want to exclude, I guess. It's, yeah. it's just goofy. Yeah, but but I think, like, it, it, it's weird, but, but it's, like, it's also, it, it, it has this function, which is that it the, the, the sort of, like, and like, okay, so like, I, I don't, my, my guess is that most of the people who have signed this document have not read it because, you know, but, but, you know, like, I, I think the, the thing that it does is it, it gives them this, this legitimization. It, it, it gives their goal of exterminating trans people this sort of legal jargon apparatus they can hide behind of like, oh, it's actually from the UN and we're basing it on, on international law and that. Yeah. And the organization used to have this, fancy name which was the women's human rights campaign um and they have now dropped that possibly for legal reasons uh, but it sounds good right yeah and, like, yeah the website's polished and it seems like a real thing and the you know they really try to take this phrase to and using it just kind of sneak everything in right <laughs> so they'll ask people questions like well, what about women's sex-based rights? <laughs> These are a thing I've never heard about before in my life. and But people just get on more. They don't really know yeah. what's happening. And they've... And another thing they do is they always portray, like, bathrooms as sex-segregated spaces. And every bathroom I've ever been in says women on the door. It doesn't seem like female bathroom. <laughs> but yeah. they're like, this is like sex, this is based on sex, not gender. Just making these assertions, and they have a lot of assertions. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that's a good place to wrap up. I guess <laughs> they have a lot of assertions. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. Um. I guess we've just underwriting again. What a serious kind of attack on trans people's rights this is. Right. I mean, this is calling for things that would make it very hard for trans people to exist. And it's really scary to watch this. I think I'd watch it kind of progress across this movement and be boosted. It's awful. Yeah. And next episode, we are going to take a much deeper dive into some of the people who signed this document. And we are going to see what happens when this kind of bloodless but genocidal legalistic rhetoric makes it into the hands of people who are not afraid to do physical violence and it is 
worse. It, 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 is, it is going to go worse than you're probably imagining. Just to underline this, we said earlier that Jennifer Billick's stuff is, you know, just widely now accepted in the, within this movement. And her stuff is portraying trans people and trans rights as this existential immediate threat. Yeah. Right. She portrays, she often says that doctors are like butchering children, right? It's, they're making children into slaves. It's stuff that, if it was true, would call for kind of an extreme level of resistance. And that's kind of what this stuff functions to do, right? If you are accusing people of these really extreme offenses and of hurting and <laughs> threatening all of these people, what that motivates is extreme responses and violent responses. And Billick herself is sometimes engaged in violent rhetoric. Um, but I think... <laughs> Many of us who have been following this movement are just kind of waiting, afraid, because that's just where it looks like it's going in the U.S. and the U.K. too. It's kind of like hard to, it's just so scary. And like, you know, they're mapping out where the gender clinics are. And it's, it's scary because where rhetoric like this goes is to a violent place. And it's hard to see it letting up right now. Yeah. And yeah, that is that is the subject of tomorrow's episode which yeah in which a bunch of people will start attacking gender clinics and a bunch of trans people are going to get violently assaulted by turfs who are directly affiliated with sheila jeffries and are followers of jennifer billick so grim yeah krista thank you thank you for coming on and doing this (laughs) thank you yeah this has been it could happen here uh you can find us at Happen Here Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, we are also there is other stuff that we do at the Cool Zone, and yeah, go go fight for the rights of trans people before they cease to exist. It could happen here as a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website coolzonemedia.com or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Happy Pride from Tomboy X. Celebrating pride in the queer community all year. Queer founded, queer run, and the makers of the original boxer briefs for women. Creating sustainable size and gender inclusive underwear, swimwear, and loungewear for all bodies so you feel comfortable in your own skin. Tomboy X just dropped their Pride 24 collection obsessively fit tested for all day comfort in sizes three extra small through six X visit tomboyx.com. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene, Gene Fodor. Gene was good. But be careful because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze Americano. Gene, Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, 
Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.